Welcome to the Odds Checker US Open preview podcast and video ahead of the weekend's golf at Pebble Beach. One of the most popular courses for, for, for punters, for players and for spectators. Sure to be an incredible weekend of golf. And to preview it, I'm joined by someone north of the border and south of the border from Ireland. We've got Dylan Byrne from the 15th Club on my right and Odds Checker's tipster Niall Lyons on my left. Niall is, I think, over 40 points up. Um, for the season so far in, in a golf season that a lot of uh, tipsters are finding quite difficult so you've got to be pretty happy with that yeah I think uh, I would hazard a guess the figure's slightly smaller than that after the last two weeks unfortunately Stenson bogeyed the last last yeah. night uh, took us out of a full place but it is a, it has been a very tough year uh, it was a decent start for me and uh, I'm kind of just happy to be holding my head above water at the minute and in desperate search of a winner it, it does feel a bit far away to be honest. <laughs> you know, you go so long, yeah. you're just searching around in the dark. But you're still, hopefully up, this still week. up for the season. So yeah, yeah, really yeah, it's a positive, no doubt. And last time we spoke, and you, it was ahead of the Masters. We tried to get you in for the for the uh, PJ Champ for the SBGA. We didn't get you in, and you picked the winner. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so we will add that to your PNL, even though you know. Yeah, no, that was a good week. Yeah, yeah. Well, being over there, we kind of had a look at the course, and you know, it was playing so long. It was it was narrowing down who could win it a lot. So it kind of it seemed semi obvious. I know it's easy to say now, but it seemed semi obvious <laughs> that it was going to be probably Brooks, DJ, or Rory that would be there thereabouts. Unfortunately, they yeah got over the line. And for those people who who didn't listen or watch the uh, the Masters preview, just tell us kind of briefly. Uh, what the 15th club does and what you do for them yeah so we work with kind of we basically do all sorts of data analytics and kind of statistical work around golf um it's split between kind of media media coverage with sky and um, european tour and then a good chunk of it is with the players so you know directly with players and caddies and coaches where we kind of analyze their their games or the courses that they're playing or you know any kind of any sort of an edge we can give them really so um yeah that's the kind of the summary of what we're doing and no one better therefore to tell us about pebble beach and what we can expect uh, the challenges to be to players where the scoring opportunities are going to come and obviously given the, the, the data-driven approach that, that you yourself uh, look at and the company looks at uh, what are the key metrics to look at here when you're trying to pick a winner yeah, so I mean, we've done, we've obviously done the course guide for the players this week. Uh, it's a little bit tricky because we don't have too much detailed information, particularly about a, a US Open at Pebble. So we kind of, we've tried to guide it on previous, recent US Opens a little bit and then a little bit on the, the AT&T at Pebble. So um, the bulk of what we found is that, you know, we're probably not going to be able to glean too much from the AT&T because it's played at a different time of year, it's different conditions. Um, what we're expecting is based on the 2010 US Open there that there'll be a, a significant jump in the Miss Farrow penalty. So that will go up, I think it's about 50% higher we're expecting at, at the US Open as opposed to the normal PGA Tour event. Um, you know, so that's jumping up to, I think it was about 0.44. So basically, you know, if a player misses the fairway, they're going to score about 0.44 higher than a player who hits the fairway. Um, and then that's obviously due to the rough. <coughs> Alongside that, there's going to be a big drop in the up and down percentage around the greens. Again, it's it's all very closely tied to the fact that the rough is long and thick, um, but that will be probably it's about ten to twelve percent lower than PGA Tour average, so it's like just over fifty percent up and down, um, and that kind of ties in with I had a look at some of the numbers that um, you know recent US Opens and recent uh, events at Pebble Beach and the kind of the key 
stat that's popping up for me pretty much everywhere I look at it is the GIR. Um, you know that hitting the greens is absolutely necessary. You need to be pinpoint accurate with your with your irons into the greens. Um, one thing that actually kind of surprised me a little bit is that the driving accuracy wasn't wasn't necessarily a, a key factor. Um, even looking back at uh, McDowell and Tiger the last two times, there uh, Tiger was 14th in driving accuracy in that incredibly dominant performance, and then I think uh, McDowell was like 34th. So it's not you know it's not a be all and end all hitting the fairway regularly, but they do have to find the greens. Tiger was first, and I think uh, McDowell was like seventh in, in greens and regulation. So you know it can kind of go either way because those two things are a little bit linked. It's obviously easier to hit the green from the fairway, but um, you know wherever the player ends up off the tee, they need to get a club on it and, and hit the green. Uh, you say you know they're off around the green, which contribute to. A lot lower percentage of, of players getting up and down. Would you consider that a leveler when 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 the roughs that big around around the greens that you know you wouldn't necessarily look to those who have got a great scrambling game simply because it's just so much so difficult for the whole field? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think it's just going to drop for everybody. So <coughs> for that reason, like you know, there's a lot of players that I would kind of I'd look over a little bit. You know, players who maybe aren't as accurate who make a bit more of their scoring around the greens, getting up and down, I think it will it'll level out a lot of that. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because the winner of the AT&T this, uh, this year was someone who's renowned, correctly or, or, or not, for his scrambling in Phil Mickelson. Um, and you maybe think that that's an example of where um, the, the change in course, uh, the conditions of the course or the rough could, could make an impact. But uh, look, looking away from just the pure <coughs> stat side of it, um, we've spoken before about how in the Masters at Augusta, having that year-on-year form is so important. And you do have that to an extent. And people who aren't necessarily as regular punters or regular people who look into this kind of depth into golf might think with the AT&T they've already got that. But I'm guessing if you think, you look at the winning scores of normally minus 15, minus 16, even up to minus 22, I think, uh, 22 under Branch Chandler was a couple of years ago. When you're looking through this, are you looking at that form at all, Niall, or are you just look out the window? It's definitely not out the window, but uh, it's important just to not place too much importance on it. I would, I would look more towards, you know, a positive if you've played well there that, you know, you might putt well on Polana Greens or you might go well by the sea with, with a little bit of wind or those just seaside tracks. But it, it, it is chalk and cheese from the AT&T to the US Open setup and, you know, we've seen some social media videos going about over the last week or two of, of players playing the course and it, it is a totally different course. So yeah, the, those who have went well on it before are certainly a positive but it's not something that you know, would make or break me backing or not backing somebody. Yeah, so looking through the, the last two US Opens that have been held at Pebble 2010 and the year 2000, uh, GMAC, as we mentioned, uh, won it in 2010 just ahead of uh, Gregory Avery. Uh, with Tiger, DJ, Cooch, Mickelson and Snedeker all in the top 10. Five players who I'm sure will have a few friends in the market uh, in, in the coming days. Uh, in 2000, it was obviously the Tiger Blitz, but uh, Lee Westwood and Podrick Harrington, two uh, decent links players in the top 10. And you've also got open champions uh, in Ernie Els, Stuart Sink, David Duval and uh, Nick Faldo in the top 10. So looking at those players and the conditions, and you mentioned the, the links track, is there... A certain type of player that you think we should be looking at here. Well, Dylan mentioned the accuracy off the tee there, but you know it contributed to what point four four of a shot if you miss a fairway. Uh, 
I think that's going to be of extreme importance this week. But you know, those who the bombers here who, who, who have been suited by the first two venues of this year's uh, major championships, I think this is going to be totally different. Length off the tee here. Although surprisingly, as you say, you do look at the stats of the last couple of US Opens and, and accuracy maybe isn't, isn't important, as important, but I think it would be hard for me to, to look past the guys who really hit the fairways and, and as you say, greens and regulation. Uh, you know, you looked at Beth Page when you were looking at it and you, you just knew it was going to be dominated by the Bombers. Uh, I always say every year that one of the, the Masters is one of the, the hardest majors to choose your winner. But you do know who's going to be up there. Yeah. The, the task is just choosing choosing between them. So uh, for the US Open this week, I'm just definitely looking the more accurate types. The course will become firm and fast by Thursday. So I think those who suffer with a bit of lack of length off the tee uh, throughout the year will be suited. And they, they don't need to worry your likes of your, your Kuchers, your Snedegers, your Kevin Kistners, guys like that. So, uh, yeah, off the tee, and just I'm not going too scientific at it. Too scientific at it this week. Just hitting your greens, and you know those who can hit the small targets. I'm sure the same can't be said of you, Dylan, about not going too scientific hmm. about it. But uh, yeah. uh, we speak about. I mean, you mentioned greens and reg being being important there. Um, in terms of, of, of metrics such as strokes gained, uh, does that mean tee to green would be where you're looking at in, in that respect, or would it not necessarily be that simple? Uh, you generally look at a little bit of strokes gained off the tee and then quite a lot of strokes gained approach. Okay. Um, those two generally combine. I mean, the, the tee to green is kind of everything excluding putting, so that would factor in the short game as well, yeah. which I'm not really going to look at all that much this week because, as you said, it's very much a leveller. You know, you get guys who are really good around the greens. If you're on four inches of thick rough, it doesn't really matter how good you are. You're, you're going to struggle to get it up and down. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the big thing. I mean, in terms of the... The greens as well, you mentioned going scientific there. We did a bit of work on, because um, you know, there's kind of anecdotal evidence that the greens are quite small there. Um, and we had a look at some of the shots. So basically trying to recreate the size of the green from all the shots that were taken on the green. Um, and I just wanted to kind of put a number on how small the greens are. So I think having looked at that, they're around about 60, 63% of the size of normal PGA Tour greens, or the average that we have shots for. Um, and if you imagine that firmed up, you know, on a, on a warm day, they're, they're going to be extremely difficult to hit. You know, you need someone who's going to be pinpoint accurate. So I think that's going to be a, an even bigger factor. And then, of course, playing from the fairway, as you said, is going to be a, a big element of that. So does, does that is proximity to the whole, the metric you use, you look at for that? Yeah, yeah, that would be a big one, yeah, yeah. Um, probably proximity from the fairway too would be would be something worth looking at. Interesting. So, uh, and so we, we mentioned there about Pebble, and if you can look at the, the form at Pebble, Pebble form lines. Um, just a, a final note before we talk about um, the, the players themselves is US Open form, and it, it strikes me, given that it's an event that's, that's held at a different course every year, it's hard to wrap your head around why it would matter. Um, but as you've mentioned, all the courses are normally set up. Um, in a very specific way um, and scoring is generally pretty tough so is, there, is it worth looking at recent trends in terms of players at the US Open despite the fact that they may not have played at Pebble? I think this US Open at Pebble Beach is going to be totally different to the last four or five that, that we've seen uh, I think from 2000 
2014 through 2017. I think the winning score totaled 34 under yeah. over those three or four US Opens. Previous to that, I think Rose won and one over, and then there was Webb Simpson at Olympic. And I think you're going back to those US Opens if you're looking for a, a pointer as to who can play well. I'm seeing Webb Simpson's case. He won, and Furick and McDowell were all in behind. Uh, I think we're, we're looking towards the same type of players this week. Uh, away from US Opens, I'd be inclined to look at courses with the Puana Greens, courses by the sea. Uh, you know, the likes of Torrey Pines, I think, will be a good course correlation. And then there's a bunch of courses uh, that both McDowell and Tiger, the last two winners of, of US Open, have, have played well on. I think they're always worth a glance. Uh, you can whittle out a few, but yeah, I quite like the Poana Greens as a stat as well. You know, those guys who can play, it takes a certain, you know, almost a certain strike of the ball to put well on those greens. Obviously, guys who grew up on them will have a significant advantage those who have won on, on those type of courses with Poana Greens. There's, you know, a chunk of guys with really good records in those type of greens. Anything in the, the Lynx Golf Open Championship link that I mentioned earlier, when you've got the likes of Tiger... Mickelson, uh, Harrington, Elsink, Deval, Faldo, all performing well at, at Pebble in US Opens? Yeah, I think so. Uh, not necessarily links for them I'm looking to, but I just think the Europeans will go well. Uh, obviously, the last two US Opens are probably based have gone really well. Uh, I think it throws up the possibility of a, an outsider winning yeah. it on, on, a, on quite a big price. Yeah, I'm looking towards a, you know, a right bunch of guys who play their... The, the main bulk of their golf on the European Tour. Well, it's interesting you say that, given it couldn't be more stark about how different it is the AT&T then, where I don't think there's ever been a European winner of that tournament. And right. uh, and I think only four non-Americans have won it, and I think only two at Pebble. So I guess that goes to show um, how it's not necessarily worth looking at just that form in order to pick your winner here. But let's talk about the specifics now. And we are recording this on Monday morning after we all watched Rory McIlroy uh, absolutely blitz it in Canada uh, nearly shoot a 59 he ended up with a 61 after bogeying the last and that has meant that he has come into 8-1 to one, uh, favourite um, that's with Bet365 who are paying 8 places but I'll just say now the firms who are currently playing uh, paying 10 places Skybet, uh, Betfair, Paddy Power Coral and Ball Sports um, and they are all they're all 8-1 to one as well in McElroy so 10 places 8-1 to one. Dustin is 9-1 to one. Kepka uh, nine to one. Tiger is twenty-five to two. That standout with Marathon. Uh, Jordan Spieth twenty to one. Patrick Cantlay at twenty to one. Justin Rose at twenty-eight to one. So let's talk about, I guess, the big four as it is at the moment. Slightly different to to the Masters, where with that smaller field we had a clutch of players um, at shorter prices. Now it seems like there are four in front of the others. And, and Dylan, given what we saw yesterday from Rory McIlroy, is it fair enough that he is now a standalone favourite? Yeah, no, I think it is fair enough. I mean. You can really say the top three guys, there's probably not a course in the world you could put them on that wouldn't suit them, um, you know, to an extent. But the one thing I, I do think is Rory and, and DJ and Brooks, they're not going to have the same edge that they would do around somewhere like Bethpage. Um, like I kind of mentioned earlier, that was playing long. Ball wasn't really running out that much. Um, so they're getting a big advantage. They're hitting in eight irons. Like the, the first of Bethpage is a good example of it, where they were hitting in a wedge and I think Kevin now is probably hitting like a seven iron I mean it's just you can't overcome that gap um, I don't think we're going to see that a lot this week uh, at Pebble so I think the, the advantage will be a lot less 
you know, granted to the three best players in the world, um, in majors anyway. I think of the of those three guys, that kind of eight to one, nine to one, uh, Kepka is a bit of a, from a statistical point of view, for me, he's a bit of um, an anomaly. Uh, I've been trying to kind of build in some way into our model of <laughs> estimating how likely he is to win a major, but it's difficult. Um, I mean, I had a look this morning at his just his strokes gained on the field over the majors since the start of 2017. He's gaining about four strokes on average, which is, you know, above and beyond everybody else. Um, so, if, you know, if you use that number, he comes out at five to one. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough to it's tough to estimate just how how short he should be. But, um, yeah, I mean, Rory's definitely, he, he's justified at being that price. He's, he's a... Uh, He's been playing fantastic this year. It's like I kind of mentioned earlier, it seems like he's backed more towards where he was in kind of 2011 to 2014, 2015, you know, where he's blitzing fields on a Sunday like that. Um, of the big four, as you say, I think Tiger would probably be my, my pick, at, you know, at that level. Um, we've kind of touched on some of the reasons, but I think hitting greens and his, his pinpoint accuracy this year has been exceptional. Um, he can strategize his way around here better than he can at, at most and probably pretty much any other US Open venue. Um, so I think, you know, getting him at kind of three points bigger is probably the, the way I'd go up the top four there, yeah. No, how are you feeling about, I, th- I think you, you're looking to, to swerve the lads at the top, but, um, but rather than just ruling them all out, just take us through the four <laughs> of them and, and, and how you rank their chances. Well, Rory last night was, it, it was phenomenal stuff and probably one of the, most enjoyable rounds of golf I've watched on TV for a few years. Uh, playing out of his skin all year. Um, yeah, but I just don't get the impression that you say that you that these lads just aren't going to be... Their length, that you know, which usually gets them so much of an advantage over the rest, is just going to be a, a bit negated here at Powell Beach. And for that reason, you know, we talk... We previewed the Ryder Cup last year and, and we sat here and I said that I thought Europe should be favourites just simply because of the course. Mm. I don't think the market has uh, allowed for how Pebble Beach is going to play. Uh, to think back retrospectively, you know, obviously Kepka won the PGA, Dustin uh, runner-up in, in both the first two majors. Looking back re- retrospectively, uh, I can't have... Dustin, a shorter price now than what he was for them first two majors, even with the two runners up. Uh, likewise for Kapka, even winning the PGA. Obviously, you say that there's not a course that you can't put them on, that they can't win on, which is true. But when you look at the market, you, you know the, the course holds is so important. And Beth Page was just set up for them guys. Augusta's set up for them. I just don't think the market's right. I, th- I don't think there should be any golfer single figures in this field. Who who do you have as your favourite? Uh, probably DJ. Uh, he's got those two runner-ups and those majors in a canter, not even playing anywhere near his best golf. Uh, I think Kapka is just, as you say, he's an anomaly. He, he could do it, you know... Obviously, these guys can hit irons off the tee as well. Where you, you know the likes of the guys that I'm maybe looking to back this week yeah. will all need to hit fairway woods and drivers from time to time, and those guys can get around, you know, with slightly more uh, conservative clubs off the tee. But 
I can't really be having any of them at single figures. Uh, McIlroy playing unbelievable stuff could easily do. He looks, as you say, like he, he's getting back towards his best of you know where he won those glut of majors in, in a couple of years. But uh, for me, their advantage is just uh, slightly less this week than compared to the first couple of majors, and the market hasn't really accounted for it. Let's talk about a few a clutch of major winners in recent years who found find themselves in that next bracket of players. Uh, Jordan Spieth has made something of a return to, to form in patches, and he's now 20 to 1. Uh, Justin Rose, who of course has, has won, won a US Open, is 28 to 1. And uh, Justin Thomas um, is 30 to 1. Um, three guys there who I think to, to the layman who's looking at this market for the first time would probably have a look at this and, and see those, those prices and, uh, and get fairly excited. Um, but there's going to be a reason behind that where they are in the market, and um, whether that's form or, or the setup of the course. So how do you look at those three guys who, who you know, have got experience winning majors, um, who all have, I mean, especially if you're looking at someone like Rose um, and, and Jordan Spieth on their day, can uh, you know their short irons are amongst the best in the world. So how would you assess their chances? Um, starting with Jordan Spieth, I think when he was at his best, it was it was his long game was probably. It was probably one of the most underappreciated elements of anyone's game ever. Um, his long game was excellent. His approach play was fantastic. He was up there with some of the best in the world. And then he was holding the putts, you know. So it seems like his putting is getting back to where it needs to be, but I'm not sure his approach play is back at that level. Um, and kind of, you know, I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but I think the approach play is, is going to need to be tip-top this week to to really contend. Um, I think that's the gamble you take though, isn't it? If you're yeah. going to back them, whether you know, it's going to come together just for one week, I think that's kind of yeah. factored into the price almost, that it's only going to take one week of a, of a good long game yeah. from, from the winning event. You know? Potentially, yeah. Uh, he just would like at, at kind of 16s, 18s, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him at that yeah. price. I think there'd be, you know, looking at rows there, of those three, he'd probably be the one I'd go with. Um, his approach play has been pretty solid this year. He hasn't been hasn't been anywhere near his best. He's probably one of those where I'd look at him and go, if it comes together for him this week, then you know he could easily win it. Um, Justin Thomas at that price, you know he's he's twenty eight. There, there's obviously an element of um, the injury. Yeah. You know, there's a bit of <clears throat> he's a bit unsure about him. If I was sure he was going to come in, he was fit, he was one hundred percent, then I'd be all over that price. But he played um, okay last week, mind you, a bit better yeah. than I expected. It's, uh, kind of was worried about him after the first round, shot a good second round, but I was kind of thinking you, there could be a period of you know a month or two where we, we really don't see the best of him at all, but it was, he was decent enough last week. Yeah, I mean, his approach play is stellar. I mean, he's one of the best in the world. Over the last couple of years, he's been top five consistently on approach, so he'd be one that, you know, like I said, I think there's an element of that price is just the risk that he's not at 100%, and, you know, trying to hit out a thick rough with an injured wrist is is probably a little bit of a concern but um, yeah that's probably a fair price for him like I said if I was, I was sure he'd be 100% fit then I'd be I'd be all over that but. Well, a player Niall that you have had uh, a, a decent time with before in, in Francesco Molinari um, comes in as well another uh, previous uh, major champion in the Open Championship last year and probably what was one of the just uh, using the eye test one of the most incredible 18 holes I've seen in terms of solid approach play for yeah. Molinari um, on that Sunday last year He's thirty-five to one, um, having gone very, very close to winning back to back-to-back majors at Augusta, um, and as I mentioned, players with with a decent links uh, record seem to do pretty well at these U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach. So, is he someone who's on your list who fits the criteria that you're looking for, or is there a bit of a form concern? 
bit of a foreign concern for me. I just don't think he's been uh, slightly at his best ever since the match play, which he looked nailed on to yeah. win, going in the, the closing stages. Like. Uh, he wouldn't strike me as someone who's you know specifically a great links player, even though he won the, won the Open Championship last year. I just think that test really suited him, where you know Tita Green was so, so important. Uh, Europeans obviously do go well here, and he, he, he could be one to look to, but not for, just doesn't convince me this season, as you say, form-wise. And then to just to rattle off the, the next few, and then we'll ask you guys who you like. Uh, I know a couple of players you want to talk about. Um, Patrick Cantley at 20 to 1, John Rahm at 28 to 1, uh, Zander Shoffley at 28 to 1, Ricky Fowler 28 to 1, Adam Scott 33 to 1, Hideki Matsuyama 35 to 1, Jason Day 35 to 1, and Tommy Fleetwood uh, 35 to 1. Anyone there who catches your guys' eye initially before you're getting to the kind of 50 well, to 1 plus? There's, n- there's not an awful lot below 50 to 1 I'm looking to this week, but there's, there's a handful, and uh, Fleetwood would be one of them. Uh, simply because I think the course might play quite similar to what uh, Paris National did just off the tee, you know. Uh, it's just going to be that important to keep the, pl- the ball in play from tee to green. That, you know, that's where you're going to make your score. Uh, Patrick Cantlay is a, is, a, is a big talking point, whether, you know, the, 20, the 16 to 20 to 1 up there about him is is crazy value because there's people talking about him that he, he's a future world number one yeah. I'm not totally convinced I don't know why but just with me own eye, I'm just not totally convinced that he's as good as what some people think, think he is or think he might be people who only take an interest in, in majors alone will listen to this and hear that he's 20 to 1 and think that's you know why is he not 50s or 60s yeah well I think I think it's a crazy price as well like yeah. you know I'd, <laughs> I don't even think of it back in the 28s to be honest yeah. like you know I'm not I'm not yeah. that keen but uh he does have a lot of credentials to play well around a track like this. Just uh, he doesn't really have a weakness, and the way he played there a couple of weeks ago was very impressive. But just totally doesn't totally convince me, and I don't like the price. Yeah, Dylan. Yeah, Cantley is actually a, he's quite an interesting player from a performance point of view. So we have uh, basically it's called performance index, like our alternative world rankings, and he's actually at uh, third at the minute. Um, so we have him as kind of the third best player in the world now. Granted, that's kind of it's kind of the flip side of of Kepka, where he's done it in you know week to week tournaments. He's performed well and maybe hasn't um, hasn't shown major winning form. Um, you know, particularly is around the time he got in contention at the Masters and he he just fell off a cliff. There didn't even place in that. That was kind of a a concern. So I think yeah, I mean the price is probably for me it's probably a little bit short as well that he. Uh, It'd be his ability to close it out. I think in a, in that situation would probably be a, a bit of a concern for me. Fleetwood again for that exact reason. Um, yeah, he hasn't won in the states. There's a few negatives and all there. Yeah, but but he's shown that he can do it on courses where there's a high miss fairway penalty, which is you know it's obviously going to be relevant. Um, the golf national being the the obvious one, you know. And, He's performed well around there a couple of times now, and that has even on the European Tour and the French Open that has a, a high miss fairway penalty. So it's similar, same last year. You know, he obviously had the, the excellent round there last year in the U.S. Open. So, um, yeah, he'd be of interest to me. That's probably it for me. I think in that yeah in that range up to kind of forties or so. I don't think there's anyone else would would pop up for me. I think Tony Finau might. Uh, oh, he's the next one. Into the question yeah, like. Around forty to one, I think that's a tasty enough price. He's got a, he's got a decent major record at this point in his career. Uh, has played well at Torrey Pines. Uh, just 
ticks a lot of the boxes for me and I thought he would have a big year. It hasn't really materialised yet, but uh, Pebble Beach might be a place where you could see the best of him. Well, you've said that you're mainly looking at 50 to 1 plus and that's what we've got to now. Um, so I'll let you talk us through a couple of the players that you've singled out at the moment. Worth mentioning that Niall's um, column will be online fairly soon and uh, he hasn't firmed up his selections yet, so still time for him to change them. But this is just what he's thinking at the moment. So yeah, tell us who you're looking at at, at bigger prices. Where to start? <laughs> <laughs> let's go, let's have the headlines. It's, uh, it's, it's not a short list, it's a long list. Uh, I think, as I say, it looks the market looks really appealing to me just simply because I think the guys at the top are far too short. Uh, I think the market hasn't really uh, factored how, how the course is going to play into it. You know, no matter what major we went to this week, those guys wouldn't be any different price, would they? No. You know, and coming to Pebble Beach, they definitely should be. They definitely should be bigger than that. Uh, so I'm looking to guys, guys who played well last week. Snedeker, Kutcher, obviously have big credentials at Pebble Beach as it is anyway. They've played well there before, especially Snedeker. Uh, but I don't think those guys should be as big a price as what they are. Uh, I'm, you know, you kind of need to pinch yourself as well. You don't back in these guys in major championships. You know, hasn't really been the way forward down the years. And plenty of people, I'm sure there's guys out there who bought Snedeker in every single major in the last <laughs> ten years. Like, you know what I mean? I'm gonna get a lot of stick back home for. Uh, tip and rope, I'm sure. If yeah. I do, I'm not too sure if I will or not yet. Like, but uh, those guys, uh, I don't. I, I think Kutcher should be a max of twenty-eight to one. Uh, I don't think Snedeker should be anything, anything bigger than forties either. So Snedeker sixty-six to one at the moment with, with Betfred, and uh, currently fifty to one about Cooch, who I'm sure will be a very popular winner over uh, there. It's a crazy price. It has to be a crazy <laughs> price though. With three six five. Um, and quickly, I'm going to come and ask you the same question in a sec, so, so be ready. But um, let's just give a quick um, tip of the cap to, to Graham McDowell, who uh, who won here, of course, uh, in 2010. And yesterday, Holder, what was a 30-footer um, on 18 to, to get to uh, to Port Rush um, to play in the Open there, which will be a dream for him. Um, he said, I think, five years ago that it would be a dream come true to play the Open there. And he very nearly wasn't going to make it. And he surely is a player, again, who's, who fits... A lot of what you're looking for. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just the way he did that last night, it's just typical McDowell. That's McDowell of old. Like, you know, looking at the leaderboard and obviously needed to finish in the, in the top three places of the guys who hadn't qualified yet, but inside the top ten. And he ends up in trouble in 18. You're just thinking the worst. You know, if, if he didn't get it last night, it was a tall order after that. The whole last 30 footer in the last, just typical McDowell. You remember him doing it in the uh, Chevron against Tiger, holding crazy putting the last green and all he's done some spectacular things but yeah obviously won the last time at US Open and fit, ticks every single box this year again and I don't think is he what, top price of him hundreds hundred yeah you know no bigger than 66s for me I think these are all these are all value guys that just you know McDowell shouldn't end up in too much trouble and He's riding the crest of a wave, obviously, and he's had a lot of attention lately as well, and will have a lot of attention this week too, and I think he, he will probably thrive off that. Well, I mean, he said after his win here back in 2010 that it, it derailed his career for a bit, and it would be um, a hell of a way for that to come full cycle yeah. for him to come back and win it again before going to Portrush for the, for the Open Championship. Um, so, Dylan, similar kind of uh, question, I guess, that 
50 to 1 bar, um, which start, starts at Bryson DeChambeau and goes up to the No Hopers at about 2,500 to 1. Um, where, where I know there's one former US Open winner um, whose price has, has gone slightly after a good weekend in, in Canada, who, who you're quite keen on. Yeah, Webb Simpson is, uh, I've been looking at him, backed him last week, I was hoping he might get over the line last week, but um, even at the 50s there, eight places, I still think there's a little bit of value in him. Um, He's, it's kind of like Niall touched on it there. I, I feel like this has been priced up like it's an average US Open over the last five years or whatever. So Webb Simpson and Matt Kuchar at that kind of range, I think it's their best chance to win a US Open. And I think there's no reason they, they shouldn't be shorter than that. Uh, if you look at the field last week, there was a lot of top players up in Canada um, and Webb Simpson was top priced 22 to one. And he's going off 50s this week, you know, it's, a big jump for for not a huge difference in the field um so yeah i mean i think those two guys simpson and coacher coacher leads the pga tour last time i checked he led the pga tour in greens regulation this year um fantastic major record over the last couple of years just can't win <laughs> can't win yeah well, maybe, just can't yeah. win then yeah, yeah, yeah can't yeah. win then yeah, yeah but i mean like he hadn't won a lot of coming up to this year. He's no. two wins already this year, so yeah, he's um, playing out of his skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's not, and it's you know, it's not a hot streak. He's been doing it since January or December. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that those two guys will be in that range. Will be definitely uh, of interest to me. So any anyone at bigger prices now looking into the hundreds plus? Um, we spoke earlier. Did you not mention Danny Willett as well? Or was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Played well last week as well in Canada and just kind of that similar game to uh, GMAC and obviously he's got a major under his belt and winning in Dubai at the end of last year just, you know, confirmed that he was his game was back in working order and I just think he's slightly overpriced this week again. Uh, just... I'm so looking at <laughs> all the same type of golfers, aren't I? Like, well, just, it you seems know, to me like it's a guy basically... Who who's going to be consistently hitting fairways? Length isn't a massive um, positive. Who can sit the ball close? And if they have a hot streak with a putter, that's great. In effect. Yeah, I just, just I don't see any reason why he should be bigger than eighty to one either. Like you yeah. know, there's just a bunch of these guys. Uh, Andrew Putnam's another one for me. He sits inside the top fifty in the world now. Uh, finished second at, in at the Sony earlier on in the year and putted so well that week that. that we had backed Kutcher and he was, he was a total menace to us over the yeah. weekend there, run us all the way to the line. So uh, he was actually fourth in, in uh, Shishan as well at the HSBC, which is a kind of, there's, there's a decent course correlation there. You know, Tigers had two runners up and two sixth place finishes, and McDowell was, was finished in the top three three times there. Uh, there's there's a, a bunch of other course correlations as well, but just uh, I think Putnam's sitting there at a massive price inside the top fifty in the world. Obviously, it's a real left field one, but uh, it probably surprise many people out there to know that he's actually inside the top fifty. But he's had a great year and, and a couple of solid finishes, and he's another outsider I'm looking to. Any more for any more the, the big prices? I quite like um, at the kind of bigger prices there, Eric Van Royen. Um, he's been a little bit under the radar. He's played well the last while. He was he was really there thereabouts for quite a while at the PGA. Um, finished I think tight eight there. So you know you can obviously do it and you know you can hit the fairways in places that there's a, a high penalty. Um, interesting side fact is that he needs 
probably needs a top 10 to get special temporary membership in the PGA Tour. So I feel like if he's tied fifth or sixth on nice. Sunday afternoon, he's going to go and you know he'll he'll hold it out and finish top ten. So just the the maybe one going two in the extra margin then maybe yeah. Yeah. someone who'll like to consolidate a score at the weekend. Potentially, yeah. It's, well, it's hard to know in that situation, but you you know you'd like to think he'll he um, he'll get it done. So yeah, I mean I think he was something like twentieth just this week gone so um, 14 to 1 with Boyles for a top 10 and went very well at the Open Championship last year as well so has some has some decent um, links you were first round leader about broke my heart although we got the dead heat in so I think it was okay in the end um, but yeah that was an interesting day um, yeah talking of the specials markets I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at it at all but is there anything we should be looking at any top uh, any, any of the special stuff anyone you'd be looking for a top 20 top 10 finish I know I tipped up um uh, Kodaira in the uh, mm. thousand to one in the uh, in the Masters, but he did make the cut, so that was all okay. But I don't <laughs> have any of those for you today, sadly. Uh, so it's just the same type of golfers that I'm looking to. I think Tyrrell Hatton might go well. Uh, obviously, a two-time Dunhill Links winner. Uh, he was sixth at Shinnecock last year, which is you know pretty impressive. He's a bit of a grinder as well; just goes well in hard conditions. Uh, Justin Harding's another European Tour player. He's going. He's had a great year. Uh, I just think he's a bit overpriced at the minute. He's around two hundred and fifty to one mark, so I think yeah. any top ten or maybe top South African for him. I think if anyone is, is listening to this pod or watching it and ha- with a pen in their hand and a piece of paper, I think they're probably gonna have to have got a new pad after the amount of yeah. <laughs> the amount of golfers we've gone through. But fingers crossed um, that both of these guys have, have flagged up some uh, some some guys you, you like the like the sound of or like the look of. Um, but before we finish this, I'm gonna ask you both for your best bet. Um, for the for your lay, so the golfer you want to get against, and uh, for an outsider to keep an eye on. No, I'll, I'll come to you first. For the outsider to keep an eye on, I haven't mentioned him yet, but I'll mention him now because I wanted to. Uh, Kevin Kistner, uh, really good major record, uh, just hasn't quite got over the line. So you went well, Carnoustie for for a great part last year as well. Uh, ticks all my boxes of just keeping the ball in play. Uh, Won the match play earlier on in the season, and I think he showed real guts in winning that. He was really, really Especially good. Impressed me. Pummeled in the final the year before as well. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think maybe he's possibly reached just another level, and if he gets into contention in any major championship soon, he, he might just get over the line. And then your best bet. Lay. Bet or, or lay. Best bet and lay. I need as well. So best bet outsider. You've done the outsider. Uh. My best bet towards the top of the market uh, at the minute would probably be Kutcher. And the delay? Uh, Brooks. Lovely. Dylan? <laughs> I think if I was going like the top, top end of the market, I'd have Tiger. Yeah. would be the best bet for me. Um, you know, like, there's no question about whether or not he can get it done there. Yeah. I think it's, it, it doesn't really need much explaining. I just think um, it should fit him well this week. Uh, I think a little bit further down... Webb Simpson would probably be the the next best bet for me a little bit further down the market. I like that, you know, still at fifties he was I think he was sixty sixes not that long ago, but he, he, the fifties is still value there. I think the lay for me I think would be Deshambo. Um, he's gone off the boil big time. He's a, fair enough. He's a big enough price. It's easy to lay now, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's just gone off the boil. I don't think. I think one of the big things will be probably his temperament. Um, you know, around that course, it's not going to be easy to, to kind of grind it out and strategize properly. And I just don't think he's 
he's mentally prepared for that kind of challenge at the minute to, to win a US Open. So. Do we think John Rahm's capable enough of uh, holding it together for four days around a track like that? He's got a great record on Poana Greens and just that yeah. type of... Yeah, he actually went well at Paris National for the most part too before like, coming on the back nine, but he ticks a lot of my boxes. It's just whether you think he could hold out for four days and be patient enough and have the right mindset. Yeah, that'll be my concern with him as well. I mean, like on paper, he's, he's obviously the, he's a good enough player to win it, but I think... Like you said, I'd just be concerned, especially, you know, he came out at the players and said, oh, yeah, I'm over all that now, I'm, I'm matured, and then he goes mm-hmm. out, was <laughs> oh, the 11th or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah that would be the concern for me. I think that's probably factored into that price there that he's at. So, um, no, he wouldn't be a bet for me. Well, I'll be amazed if you've watched or listened to this and haven't come up with one or two uh, bets from, from the experts alongside me. So thanks very much to Dylan. Check out the 15th Club uh, follow Dylan on Twitter and, uh, and follow the 15th Club on Twitter because they put out some unbelievable stuff. If you're interested in, in golf data and the stats behind what goes on on the course, then there's really no one better to follow. And I'm sure you'll be hearing about them as well during Sky's coverage of the event. And, uh, and also, as ever, cheers to Niall, um, whose uh, tipping article should be up fairly soon. And fingers crossed it's got some correlation with what you've said on here. Hmm. Otherwise, we'll probably be in a bit of trouble. But uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well for content over the whole week and uh, and check the the odds uh, check the grids go to oddschecker.com and then go to golf and you can find out all the best prices for your bet and you can also check all the place terms because some bookies going 10 places already uh, to make sure that you're getting the most places and the best value for your selection